If you notice, the title of the sermon is called Finishing Up with Review, Additions, and Clarifications. So that should tell you this is the last sermon in this little series. Some of you are going, phew! Some of you are going, oh, I was enjoying it. Well, regardless, it's the last one. And um, the title should indicate that we're not going to cover everything today. And if, if you haven't heard the last four sermons, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to them. Uh, typically, uh, a series goes, and it goes for a long time, and each sermon stands alone, and, and we work through a passage, or we work through a topic. This one, more so than others, each sermon builds on the last one. So you really need to get all the sermons in to understand exactly what we're talking about. And so when we do the review, we're not going to cover everything, but we'll just cover some highlights, and it might be good to go back. But let's go ahead and start with the review. So number one in your notes... It says, when God assigned our gender and or leadership roles and responsibilities, and that's a, it's a broad spectrum because God assigns many things to us, not just gender, not just role, uh, but lots of things in between. But when he assigns these things, he does not assign value. So the pastor is not more valuable than the usher. The usher is not more valuable than the Sunday school teacher. The Sunday school is not more valuable than the fellowship committee member, and we can go on and on and on, and we can go back and forth all around the circle, and value is not assigned by the job we have. The, the, the job is assigned in order for God's kingdom to work, for the church to be successful, for society to be successful, for the family to be successful. So he, he didn't assign value. He instituted his will for the family in those roles, in society, in, in, in the roles that affect society, and in the church. So he assigned us men and women. He assigned us husband and wife. He assigned us mother and father. He assigned us elder deacon and, and a, a variety of other positions in the church. He, he pr assigned us provider and protector, and all those things are things we've talked about over the last few weeks, so we won't redo those. But he instituted his will, showed us how to do things, showed us the proper assignments that we have, all the way back in Genesis. So number two, God's original plans and design, as seen before the fall of man, is our best look at what God's intentions are. If we can find it in Genesis 1 and 2, that's, that's before sin fell. That's when creation was still in a state of perfection. That's where it did work the way God wanted it to work. And his instructions were the most pure to mankind. That's our best look at what God's instructions are. And that's true whenever that information is available. And it's also true that there's a lot of stuff that's just not in Genesis 1 and 2. So then we come to number 3. When we don't have the luxury of a clear picture from Genesis 1 and 2, we must look to the teaching of Scripture and the examples it provides, both good and bad. So if we don't find it in Genesis 1 and 2, that does not give us permission to figure it out on our own or make up our own set of circumstances or make up our own set of rules. We, we don't get to say, well, God wasn't clear in the beginning. You know, Pastor said we look at the beginning and it wasn't clear, so now, now I get to work it out myself. That's, that's never the case. When God is clear in Genesis 1 and 2, that gives us a very good picture, a very clear picture gives us a very good goal to shoot for. But not everything was, was spoken of then, and so then we have to start applying the rest of Scripture. We have to look at the rest of Scripture to see what 
it says to us what the boundaries are, what the principles are, all that kind of stuff. And so we can't go to the media, we can't go to our friends, we can't go to books, we need to go to the book, we need to go to the Bible. And between those two things, we're going to know where God wants to take us and what he has in store for us. So then we we defined a few things. Number five, there's no number four because I didn't like number four this week, so for some reason I just skipped it, okay? It was not worthy to be in the notes. Number five, number five, yes. A, a biblical child, and remember, this is not an age-determined person. This is a position-determined person. A biblical child is anyone who either needs and or has the protective covering of their parents because they are unable to live in as an adult otherwise. An obvious example is a small child that can't live without their parents. A less obvious example is an older person who can't live without their parents because there's something wrong, uh, a, a mental or physical deficiency, um, something that happened to them. And then there's, we talked about a category of folks who need to come back under their parents' umbrella for a short time and how they, they would then interact with their parents. We, we, we talked about all that. An adult is anyone who is not only old enough and capable enough to successfully live on their own, but does so effectively. It doesn't mean they survive. It doesn't mean they're still breathing. It, just because you can breathe and feed yourself doesn't make you an adult. It means you're, you're living in the world successfully. If you're a believer, you're, you're living by God's standards, and, and you're navigating the world according to those beliefs. You're not couch surfing. You're not living in your car. You're, you're actually out there doing what needs to be done to... To, to live and to be a, a benefit to society and that sort of thing. Number six, a, ma- a man is a male who is both capable of and is fulfilling the role and responsibilities of a male adult. And we spent a lot of time talking about what that is. In this, he most closely bears the image of God the Father. Remember, we all bear the image of God. The the man most closely bears the image of God the Father. A woman is a female who is both capable of and is fulfilling the role and responsibilities of a female adult. And there was a different set of, of roles for the male and a different set of roles for the female. Sometimes they overlapped. But in this, she is most closely, or she most closely bears the image of God the Holy Spirit. Which is a great compliment. It's a great compliment. So the man most reflects the Father, the woman most respects the Holy Spirit, and, and where does Jesus fit in? He's the example for all of us. He, he was God on earth, walked among us. He is our example that we follow in all things. So that's kind of a review, not that exhaustive, just to kind of prime the pump a little bit, get you thinking about some of the things we've spoken of. Here's, here's a couple of additions. And, and in this section, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break our lives down into three, three phases or three stages. So stage one is childhood. So let me give you a different way to identify childhood, a different definition, kind of combining a lot of things we talked about. A childhood is when adults, mostly parents, raise up children in the way they should go. We talked about that from Proverbs. Teach them to know, understand, and love the commands, principles, and doctrines of the Lord, we'll find that in Deuteronomy, and pass along their faith. We read about that in Timothy. So that when it's time 
children can leave their father and mother behind and become one flesh with their lifelong spouse. We, we read Matthew. We haven't read Deuteronomy yet, and I want to read this, and I want to make a couple comments about it. I'm going to read verse uh, one, 1 and 2, and then 6 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So Moses is talking. He's reviewing the commands the Lord has given. He says, these are the commands that I have been given to pass on to you. Verse 2, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so may you, and so that you may enjoy long life. So these are the commands that for you, your children, and your grandchildren, the reason for the commands is so that you may enjoy long life. Not just live a long life, but enjoy long life. And then verse 6. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress. Stamp them in. Make them permanent. Uh, give them something they can't forget. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So how do we pass the commands and the doctrines and the principles? How do we pass these things along to our children? We introduce them into everyday life. When we're walking, when we're sitting, when we get up, when we sit down, they're part of our house, they're part of our own body, they're written down. We make it a part of our everyday life. Our kids aren't going to magically turn out great if we take scriptures and thumbtack them to our doorframe. It's not what it's saying. It says just make it such a part of your life that everywhere you go and everything you do, you're discussing the principles of God, the commands of God, these kinds of things. So in that definition, I want you to notice in inside A on your notes, the top half is the process. The process of childhood. Childhood is when adults raise children, teach them, and then pass along their faith. The goal or the result is when the children leave their mother and father behind and become one flesh with their lifelong spouse. That, that's the goal. And, it, and there's no time frame attached to that. You, 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 might, you might leave your mom and dad and establish your own house and then one day get married. You might get married and then leave. There's, there's not a lot of parameters or, or definitions there, but, but that's the end game. I'm surviving on my own. I'm, I'm becoming who God wants me to be. I'm joining together in a family. And this is the process. Now I want to remind everyone that this is the, this is the goal. This is the best situation. And sin has messed up the world so that best isn't always available. But it's still our goal. It's still what we strive toward. We see where we're at and we ask ourselves, how, how can I become more of who God wants me to be? And so we have that process. Notice that childhood requires adults. Childhood requires adults. If you're 10 years old and you don't have adults interacting in your life and, and guiding you and directing you, you're in big trouble. A healthy childhood 
requires adults who love and care. So B in your notes, still under childhood. Childhood is when children have the freedom to learn, grow, and thrive under the protective covering of their parents and adults who love them. Sometimes that protective covering includes grandparents, aunts and uncles, trusted friends. Childhood requires adults, and those adults make it possible for the child to live as a child, to, to have the innocence of a child, to have the protection of a child, to have the freedom to make mistakes as a child when those mistakes should be made, to learn from their mistakes, to grow, to be challenged. It's, it's the parent's job to move a child in that direction, uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, so that one day they're able to conquer all those areas of the world, which they will encounter. They can conquer those and live successfully in them and among them and still be honoring God. So childhood requires both parents and children. The goal is for the children to become parents, excuse me, to become adults, and then maybe parents. But it's their, it's their job to become an adult. And that's the, that's the first phase. That's stage one. Stage two is adulthood. Adulthood is when a man or a woman embraces both the identity and gender that God has assigned to them. If you're not willing to embrace the identity, then you're not ready to become an adult. And let me, let me make it real simple to understand. Um, lots of kids want to be astronauts. Right? We don't go buy them a spacesuit. Right? Uh, they want to be a policeman or a fireman. We don't sign them up for the academy when they're three. We know that things are going to change. We know that they're going to grow. We send them off when they're ready. And so we help them embrace who they are. You're a child right now. You're growing up to be an adult. When you are an adult, we'll recognize that. We'll celebrate that. But these are God-assigned roles and God-assigned responsibilities. So an adult is when a man and woman embrace both the identity and gender. God made me who I am. I will not be a successful adult until I function as God has made me. Okay, think about that for a minute. B, when a man or woman embraces and fulfills the role in life that God gave you. Now, sometimes that role is very specific. God gave me a very specific role to fulfill. He said, Dave, you're going to be a pastor. You know, and I, I've shared with you how that worked. I said, I don't think so. He said, yes, I think so. I said, well, maybe. He said, well, no, more than maybe. And eventually, I became a pastor. That's the role God assigned to me. Not that many people are assigned that role. But every person who has a child is assigned the role of a parent. Every person who marries is assigned the role of a spouse. Some people are assigned other roles in the church. Some people are assigned roles in, in the society. And most of these, some of these, are assigned by God. And when we embrace and fulfill the role that God gave us, that's when we're going to be successful. And that's when we're going to be happy. And so see, adulthood is when a man or a woman continues to practice this truth despite the trouble and or lies the world pushes on you. We've talked about the lies a lot. How about some of the troubles? The diagnosis of cancer. And, and there's not a person in the room that doesn't know someone who's been diagnosed with cancer. It was my son not too long ago. It was friends in the church before that. Uh, we all will face this. It's going to be a friend. It's going to be a relative. It's going to be a, a member of your household. 
These things are going to come. And when they come, then we decide. Am I going to continue in my faith? Am I going to rest in God? Am I going to pray to Him and accept the outcome? Or, or am I going to leave that behind because I didn't get what I wanted? It didn't work out the way I hoped it would. I should have been protected from this. The same thing when I have a loss. I might lose my job. I, uh, the economy might crash and I might lose some of my money. Maybe I invested in crypto. That didn't work out very well. Um, there's losses that come along. Maybe somebody close to us passes away. A friend. Maybe there's a car accident. We experience a loss. And, and then we're faced with, was my faith real? Is my relationship with God alive? Can I move forward with this? Can I fulfill the role? I'm having relationship trouble. I'm, I'm battling depression. Uh, there's chaos going on around me in the culture. A man or a woman, an adult, continues to be who God's called them to be, even in those situations. That's stage two. And then there's stage three. We just barely talked about stage three. And I've decided to call it senior adulthood. There's no age attached to it. That and you're not like a senior adult at 67 or 79 or whatever. It, it varies from person to person. But I think it happens and begins to happen sooner than we like to think it does, because there's certain things that need to take place. For example, a a senior adult in the stage of life. It's when we learn to let go of the authority that was once yours or once ours or once mine and hand it over to those who have a rightful claim to it. I, I have to realize I'm not in charge now. I, uh, my, my word is not the final word. You don't have to do what I say. As, as our children become adults, they have those adult responsibilities. And, and, I, and I don't have that authority. I don't have that privilege Neither do I have that responsibility. So as I become a senior adult, it requires more and more letting go of the authority I used to hold and allowing someone else to have it, even if they're not going to do it the way I would have done it, even if they have different ideas. And, and then B, senior adults, senior adulthood is when we learn to influence. We learn to influence those who come behind us through prayer Wisdom when asked for, and the example of a life well lived in Christ. My job as a senior adult, when I'm older, and I'm putting myself in this category, uh, I'll be 55 whenever my birthday comes around. I think there's a discount out there somewhere for me. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to ask for it everywhere I go. Um, but at 55, I, I'm not ready to retire. I'm not ready to hang anything up. I, I get sore sooner, and I go to sleep earlier. But I'm not, I'm not, like, old. I'm just older. But I have adult children, and, and I have to let them do their own thing, make their own decisions. I have to let them learn their own lessons. But I never lose the influence. I can influence them. You can't take away my prayer life. You can never stop me from praying for my kids. So I have that influence. I take, I take their name and their situation to the throne of God, and I bring it to God, and I say, God, would you please help? Would you govern? Would you guide? Would you give wisdom? Would you help me accept things that I can't change? Would you help me know when to speak up and when to be quiet? So I can influence through prayer. 
I can influence by my example. I can always live the right life in front of others. I can always choose honesty. I can always choose integrity. I can always choose to be upfront. I can choose to work hard. I can choose to pray. I can choose to live the right way. I can always make those choices. So I can always set an example. He can't take away my prayer, and he can't take away my example. But in the middle there, it says, wisdom when asked for. When, when I'm asked, hey, Dad, what do you think? Hey, Pastor, what do you think? That's when I have the opportunity to speak. That's when my speech is going to be heard. If I just walk up and stick my nose in and start telling you what I think and what you should do, you will probably be polite, and my kids will be polite, and they'll listen, and then they'll walk away, and that'll probably be the end of it. But if anyone comes and says, hey, I can tell by your example that you have wisdom here, or I know that, that you have some thoughts, would you share with me your thoughts on this subject? Then I can influence them directly. But as a senior adult, I let go of authority, and I start to wield my influence. Not from a powerful position, but, but from a humble position. And then see, I'm a senior adult, when we teach those younger how to live a life pleasing to God, but again, only to those that are ready and willing to listen. I want to read that one to you, Titus 2, 1 through 8. And we have time for that, Titus 2, 1 through 8. It says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Now, who's, who's the who? Uh, Timothy, or Titus is the who. Who's Titus? Titus is a pastor who's writing the letter Paul. Paul is writing a letter to Titus. So Paul is the mentor to Titus. He's instructing Titus in how to be a, a good pastor, how to do his job well. So Paul says, Titus, you must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. In other words, teach the Bible accurately. Teach what's in the Bible. Don't teach other stuff. Okay, what is appropriate to sound doctrine? Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and found in faith, in love, and in endurance. Now, they had a, a, another custom, which was the difference between a young man and an older man. A younger man was anyone under 30. An older man was anyone over 30. The younger men were supposed to participate, but not speak up. Literally, they seen and not heard. We want you here. This is your chance to learn and grow further, but your maturity hasn't reached its potential yet. When you're 30, then you have a voice, then you have a vote. That's how they looked at things. Interestingly enough, they tell us today that a male, male brain is not done forming until about 25. And 25-year-olds think more clearly than 20-year-olds who think more clearly than 17-year-olds, who think more clearly than 14-year-olds. And so maybe they were on to something. So when he says teach the older men, he says teach those, teach those in that 30 and above category to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and endurance. He says likewise, or in the same way, teach the older women to be relevant in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Interestingly enough, the older women, the 30 and older women, are to be teaching, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. 
the older women who have the maturity and the experience and the learning will teach the younger women. So the pastor, Titus, is to teach the older men and the older women. The older women are then to teach the younger women. Okay? You can urge them to do these things. And then verse 6, similarly, in the same way, okay, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. And everything set an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have not, they have nothing bad to say about us. The older men are to act similarly to the older women. The older women are to teach the younger women. The older men are to teach the younger men. And so we have this pattern now. I'm, I'm going to take what I've learned. And I'm going to pass it on to those who are coming behind me. So part of being a senior adult is you have the wisdom of the years, and then to find people that need it, build a relationship so that I can pass it along to someone who wants to hear it. I'm not just going to walk up to someone and go, well, you're obviously younger than me. I have a few things to share. And you should listen, because I'm smarter than you, obviously. No, we're going to have a relationship, and we're going to have a conversation and, and, and we're going to be asked questions and, and we're going to teach. So senior adults, they're going to let go of some things that they've held too tightly. They're going to move from being in charge to being an influence. And in that influence, they're going to teach. And they're going to share wisdom. That's senior adulthood. And, and I've, I've been experiencing this, especially, you know, my kids are all gone one of my kids has kids. Two of them are married. One's in the military. One's in college. They all know everything. They're all, they're all in great shape. They don't need dad that often. When I get the phone call, hey, dad, got a minute? I got a minute. Doesn't really matter what else is going on to a certain extent. If I, if I can produce a minute, I've got a minute because that means they, they want some advice. They want some help, and I'm not going to forfeit that opportunity. So we all start off as children. At some point, we should transition into adulthood. And then we run the course of adulthood. And in that period of time, we start becoming the senior adults. And then one day, in our senior adults, we might need to let go of all the authority and allow someone else to make the decisions for us because we're no longer in a spot where we can do that. And, and, and kudos to the wise senior recognizes that and says, I will submit to you now because I'm, I, I need your help. So there's those three stages of life and in each stage, our God-given assignment and our God-given role is, is clear and it, it speaks to us. And if you weren't here the last couple weeks to really dig down on those roles, please go back and listen to that sermon. The last section is clarifications. And so here's some clarifications. Number one, you are assigned a gender at birth by the doctor. Doctor looks and says, you're a boy. You're a girl. Doctors are usually correct on that. They don't make very many errors. Okay, they, they put their glasses on, they're good. But you're assigned, also you're assigned a gender at conception. You're assigned your gender at conception. And that assignment comes with roles and responsibilities. It's not just a random assignment. God has a plan and a purpose. 
and he has reasons, and he's, he's laid it out for us. So we have roles and responsibilities. Here's the clarification. Your gender cannot be altered by medicine, science, or psychology. Because God has encoded it into every strand of your DNA, making it reality on a molecular level. If, if, if you're out digging in your backyard and discover that, that you found some ancient burial ground or, or something like that, and you call in an expert, they can look at the skeleton that you've discovered and tell you if it's male or female by looking at the skeleton. If, if they're missing the right bones and they can't tell by looking, they can get a microscope out, they can examine the bone itself without any flesh on it, and they can determine if it's male or female. It doesn't matter what they thought, how they acted, how popular they were, where they lived, whether they were rich, whether they were poor. It didn't matter what political party they belonged to. It doesn't matter anything. None of those things are factors. They could tell by what God gave you at your conception, at your creation. Number two, family assignments are handed out each and every time a child is born or adopted into a family. When a child is born, you become dad or you become mom. Okay, when, when mom and dad have a child, those roles are assigned and they don't change. You don't get to turn that job in in four years or in 10 years or in 18 years. You're always mom and dad. Okay, for a while, that child is the child. Those, those, assignments, those assignments are given. If you adopt someone into your family, they become as a son or as a daughter and those assignments have been given. Those are God-given assignments. We don't, we don't get to quit being mom or dad. We don't get to quit being a guardian if we've adopted. Number three, spiritual gifts are, are assigned at salvation. When you're saved, you're given a gift. That gift may not be manifested for a while. You may not understand what it is. You may not even know how to identify it. But you're given a gift. God says at at your salvation, I give you a gift. That gift is to be used in the family of God, in the church, to serve one another so that as a group we can go out and serve God. So that gift is given. And how do you find out what that gift is? Well, you don't wait around for a letter. You don't ask God, oh, when I get the telegram telling me what my gift is, then I'll take the gift and I'll go figure out where it fits. God says, just start serving. Get involved. Wherever you're serving, I'll show you how to use your gift. And in every ministry, every group needs the gifts. There's no wasted gift. There's no gift that's not being used. So we're assigned gender at conception. Okay? We're assigned a role in the family every time someone's born. We're assigned spiritual gifts at salvation. Number four, ministry assignments are given as we develop maturity. Maturity in Christ. I was not called to be a pastor when I was 11 years old. I wasn't mature enough to pursue that. I had to wait till I was about 19 for me to be mature enough for God to say, I want you to be a pastor. Different roles in the church come to different people at different ages, but it's based on maturity. If you, if you want to be active and, and vital and used in the church, if you want to be used by God, then work on your maturity. Don't start looking at the Christian want ads. Look at your maturity. Am I growing in Christ? Am I learning his word? Is my prayer life becoming more intent? Am I making a difference in other people's lives? Am I discipling others? All of a sudden, you're going to find you have a ministry. 
Ministry assignments are given as we develop maturity. Number five, all those assignments come from God. All of them. Male and female comes from God. The family I'm born into is decided by God. The family I'm adopted into, in many respects, is assigned by God. The spiritual gift I receive is assigned by God. The ministry that I'm called to is assigned by God. Now, don't miss this. If I ignore it, if I change it, and if I fight against it, it's sin. It's sin. When I say to God, I know you have a plan, but I'm pretty sure my plan's better, that's sin. When I say to God, I understand what you've asked, the answer is no, that's sin. Right? When I start interfering with what God has established, especially when I rethink it or redo it or say no to it, that's sin. And, and we've all faced this sin in our life where we haven't wanted to do what God wants. We haven't wanted to behave like he wants us to behave. We haven't wanted to think like he wants us to think. We haven't wanted to be who he wants us to be. It's not cool. It's not culturally relevant. It's not this or that. We've all rationalized a lot of things. So this is not a sin that we point fingers. This is a sin where we raise our hand and say, yep, uh-huh, I'm in. What do we do with sin? So important. What do we do with sin? Sin is to be confessed. Yes, Lord, I have been trying to do this the wrong way. Yes, Lord, I have been ignoring your instructions. Yeah, I knew what you wanted, and I didn't want to do it, so I didn't do it. You know what, God? I said no, and that was a sin. We, we confess these sins. We pray over them. God, help me overcome this. Help me not be tempted by this. Help me know what the truth is. Give me wisdom in these areas. So sin is to be confessed, is to be prayed over, is to be understood by God's word. Show me the scriptures, find the scriptures. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find where God speaks to this. I'm going to have a couple of scriptures I can memorize so that I can use it to learn from. And then I'm going to overcome it. I, I'm going to take steps so this sin is no longer active in my life. I, I'm going to make it a, a minor, not a major. It's going to be less and less over time. And then I'm going to leave it behind. So what do I do with sin? I confess it. I pray over it. I understand it according to God's word. I overcome it. And then I leave it behind. There is no sin you can't leave behind. It may be harder to leave some of the consequences. But there is no sin we can't leave behind. God says, I forgive you and your sin are as far as the east is from the west. So sin can be left behind. Here's a little application. I know you got excited. You were folding your books away because the paper got to the end. I have some more. <laughs> little application for you. Number one, God knew what he was doing when he made you. He knew what he was doing when he saved you. And he knows what he's doing as he calls you. God's involved in the process and he knows what he's doing. He, he knows what he's trying to accomplish. So we don't need to worry about is this right? Is God, does God know? He does know. He absolutely knows. And, and, and if he calls you to something, he's going to provide what you need to be successful in it. So number two, don't ignore God or fight God. Because as we said, this is sin. Number three, rejoice that we've been forgiven of our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. Rejoice that I've been forgiven. And then live a life as a saved person.
how, how do I take this information and how do I make it real? I, I figure out who God's called me to be. I, I, I don't listen to the world. I don't listen to society. I, I, I don't get my information from TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. I get my information from the Word of God. I take what I get from the Word of God. I put it on a high shelf far above all the rest. And I let it be the doctrine that I filter my life through. And I figure out what God wants. I embrace that. And then I live it. Then those other things out there, those influences that are not good for me, those lies that are trying to influence me, the situations that are trying to fight against me, they become less and less because they matter less and less because I'm more and more in tune with God. That's what we need to become. And, and, and in the world that tells us 12 different ways to manage our life other than God, we've got to figure out that God is the only way. And then we share that with the next person. And then we share it with the next person. And, and we just keep sharing it. That's our purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together. I pray that Mother's Day is a good day for us today as we celebrate our moms or maybe are celebrated as the mom. I pray that as we examine our roles, am I, am I mom or dad? Am I the husband or the wife? Am I a biblical man and, or a biblical woman? As you've called us to be, let us, let us see the truth and find the truth and embrace the truth and let us move forward in that truth. Let us become who you want us to be. And may we see the results of this as you use us as we become more mature. Thank you for being with us. Help us through the week to make application. And I just ask for a good day. In Jesus' name, amen.